Batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, got my batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, I got my Hi. Welcome to the OK Show. It is season two. We're kicking it off right now. I am your host, Andrea Swenson, and this is a podcast that is brought to you by The Current. This is a show where real musicians talk about their real lives. We wrapped up the first run of eight seasons just a few weeks back with Manchita. You can find all of those episodes over at iTunes or at thecurrent.org. And I am so excited to look forward now and get ready to unveil the next eight episodes. I've been having some incredible conversations over the last few weeks, and I continue to be so impressed and awed by my guests and their willingness to be open and honest and intimate and real. So we're going to kick off this season with a woman who is dominating the music news headlines right now. She's about to perform on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. She's got a new record, Big Girl, Small World, coming out this week. It's Lizzo. It's hard to believe that it was only about three years ago now that I first heard Lizzo's voice. I know this is going to sound so over the top, but I actually still remember where I was sitting when I first heard Lizzo rap. It hit me like a bolt of lightning. And actually, it was this specific verse on a song called Push It by her trio, The Chalice. Who was this woman? She was somehow all of these different things at once, smart and funny and antagonizing and fierce. She switched between different voices and deliveries like a chameleon. I had to hear more. The Chalice went on to release an EP and win the City Pages, picked a click poll. And Lizzo returned as a solo artist the next year and won the poll again. It was actually the first time a hip-hop artist had taken first place in the poll, and she did it twice. She's now easily the most popular new hip-hop artist in the scene, capable of selling out First Avenue's main room. And thanks to some relentless touring with Slater Kinney in the United States and on her own overseas in the UK and France, she now has an international following. Lizzo released her solo debut, Lizzo Bangers, in 2013, and it was picked up for international re-release by Virgin Records. Now she's releasing new music on her own terms. Big Girl Small World is coming out on her very own label, which is also called Big Girl Small World. Much like that early verse from The Chalice that first hooked me, this new album swerves all over the place, from club bangers to soul-bearing ballads to a vocoder breakdown about halfway through that'll have you in tears. And throughout the album, Lizzo's diving deep on social issues ranging from body politics, self-acceptance and empowerment, to race relations and feminism. Lizzo's been an active participant in the Black Lives Matter movement, an increasingly vocal champion for women's rights. Her shows with her crew Girl Party are some of the most empowering stuff that I've seen this year. But she's never preaching at you or putting too fine a point on her ideas. There's this old feminist adage that says that the personal is political. 
And Lizzo seems to understand this concept intrinsically. Throughout the album, Lizzo invites us into her world, and it often feels like we're sitting right beside her as she hops a plane to Paris or checks her voicemail, hoping for a call from someone back home. We're in her head as she's processing her relationship to her body and herself, and she's reflecting on the reality of being a woman of color in a society that's constantly trying to diminish her value. It's potent stuff and a lot to digest in one sitting, but Lizzo makes it go down easy. I couldn't wait to talk to Lizzo about the themes on her record and her own journey towards self-acceptance. She invited me into her home a few weeks before her new album was out, and we sat at her kitchen table as her brother made coffee for her in the background. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hey, Lizzo. Hi. <laughs> I know, we've been talking for a while. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I feel like I'm well-rested now because I slept in, and that's always a... And sleeping in right now, for similar reasons, is like... 10 30. That sounds good. Yeah. That's a good time to get up. Is it a, that's a good time. To, it's early, but like I used to sleep in it to like three wow. back in the day. But like <laughs> now I'm like, I slept in, it's 10 30. Who am I? It's crazy. <laughs> You're a woman on the move. Yeah. Gotta wake. I'm a um, early bird gets the worm. Yeah. I guess now. <laughs> guess I'm trying to get the worm, you know? <laughs> So I am so excited to talk to you about this new record. Did you get I, to listen to it? I have. Oh I've been gosh. listening to it over the past week. Oh my god! And I just dropped everything as soon as it came in my email and started mm-hmm. listening to it because I was so psyched. Yeah. And I think it's incredible. Thank you. I think it's even better than your debut. And it's, to me anyway, it feels very focused. Like there's a mission statement and there's a message to the record that's really powerful. I get so like... Uh, like shy I guess with the music like it's weird my we were in the car with my cousins from Detroit and they've they don't really know my music at all because I just keep that so separated and my brother was like why don't you play your album for them the new album and I was like no and my brother was like hey she really wants to play her music and then like played a song and I was just like cringing the whole time because I just get so I don't know what it is it's very personal I guess and I should get better at that yeah (laughs) Well, that's, that's interesting to me, that part of the process where, you know, you write these songs, they're yours, and you're usually alone or with just a few other people in the studio recording them, they're still yours, and now you're in this mode where you're kind of releasing them. Do you yeah. go through kind of having to separate a little bit from the songs? It happens, like, over time. Like, we listen to the masters, and then after I listen to the masters and I approve the masters, I didn't listen to Little Bangers until, like, this year. Oh, wow. Because it's like, I don't know. It's weird. Because, yeah, you want people to like it so much. And then I get kind of embarrassed. I don't know why. I get really embarrassed of the things that I've put out in the past because I'm not a master yet, you know? I feel like I'm in, like, this process where I I keep hopefully getting better. And so when I have someone listening to, like, my dark thoughts or my inner thoughts and in a voice that, you know, I've improved from, Mm -hmm. like, it's like embarrassing i'm like it's not that good then and then i have people tell me oh your little bangers is so good and i'm like no it's not i I sucked back then i'm way better now you should hear what i got now and then it's gonna happen again for big girl small world and i'm gonna feel like weird and insecure about it but like even at this point i'm like is it even good and 
Lauren was like, don't worry about it, you know, because I removed myself from it because I listened to it over and over and over, but I removed myself for a few months and I was like, is it even still good? Like, is it stupid? Like, what am I doing? It's so weird. So it's a weird process for me. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Then when you go back to perform them live, are you finding yourself like wanting to update the songs? Yeah. Time passes. Oh man, I wish that I could do a live album of Lizzo Bangers so bad because Lizzo Bangers is way different on stage what i did with ryan olsen was like in Laserbeak was so fast it was like some of the songs on lizard bangers were poems or like things that i stitched together like freestyles and it like that i had to do quickly with mm-hmm. ryan olsen and then when i get on stage i got to like actually perform them and i wanted i wanted people to put on the record and get that live performance vibe because Everyone always says, like, you just got to see her live. Like, mm. Lizzo Bangers is cool, but you got to see her live. Like, I was getting that critique all the time. And what's different about this record, and actually um, my cousin Quinn was like, she heard Betcha, and she was like, it finally, and that was like the first demo mm. I think BJ and I did. And she was like, it finally sounds like you sound on stage. Like, and she was like trying to be nice about it. But now she's like, Lizzo Bangers doesn't sound like you sound on stage, but this song does. And I thought that was really cool because yeah. that's, that's what I want to give people. I know that that's where I shine because I love to perform and I want to give people at least some bit of that performance when they're listening to the record. So I have a question about working with BJ and not just what he added, you know, as a producer and as um, the man behind the board, but I'm curious, this is such a personal record and um, you're talking about such intimate things. What was it about BJ that made you feel like he could create a safe space to kind of explore these topics? Oh, BJ's so dope. (laughs) I, um, BJ mixed... Lizzo Bangers, and I remember when I met him before I knew that he was going to mix Lizzo Bangers, and I also met him before I knew anything that he'd ever done. I just met him because he was in Ryan Olsen's house, and there were so many boys there that I was just like, oh, it's another, it's it's another marijuana death squads do, you know? Yeah. But I just remember being like, uh, we had a connection immediately. I was like, we're going to be best friends, you know? And... There was a moment during Lizzo Bangers when Ryan Olsen and Laserbeak were out of town and faded. No, it was Go, actually. There was a specific sound that I wanted for Go. Mm. And I like snuck on behind because Ryan was like, it's fine. It doesn't need need doesn't need to be different. And I like snuck and went to see BJ and I was like we got to make go sound like I wanted to sound. And he knew exactly how I wanted it to sound like, cause we, and we both like worked really, really hard. We tried and we tried and we tried. And because of the sample and because of like what we were working with, it didn't work. Like we had deconstructed it. We tried to so many things. And in the end we ended up leaving it as is. Cause Ryan came back and was like, what did you do? <laughs> I hate it. But but BJ was like, I know what you're trying to do, and next time we can do it, mm. you know, for that type of vibe. And um, I thought that that was really cool because I like having mind melds with people. Like, Ryan Olsen and I have mind meld, and Laserbeak and I have mind meld, and 
a lot of times I feel like I'm melding to them because, you know, I respect them. They're older than me. They've been doing, they've been putting out records way longer than I have. So I meld to them and I respect their ideas. But with BJ, we had another type of mind meld that was, you know, we're like the same age and we have, we listen to like the same kind of, we have the same like musical upbringing, you know? Mm. And so when we mind meld, it's like this mutual thing. And all of the mind melds I love because they bring different things out of me, you know? Laserbeak challenges me, Ryan, Ryan Olsen challenges me. But BJ gets me, which is rare to find, you know? Yeah. So when I was making this music, there were parts where I would get really, really shy. Like, I remember Human Eyes was really hard for me to record. I would get nervous and, like, you know, giddy. And I would... One Deep was hard as well. And for One Deep, BJ left and let me track it till I got it right mm. like the I do this thing where I wrote two letters to two different people and I write letters to people but I don't send them because nobody likes reading letters anymore I'm trying to find a pen pal so if anyone wants to be my pen pal hit me up I know I I tried with two people and they both like didn't weren't feeling it Aww. so I have these letters and I read one and I read both of them and I was like I want to read these letters on the track and I want you to like fade them in and out at the end of One Deep and um, BJ was like, okay, cool. And he just like pressed record and left and let me like read the letters because it was very like, it was very intimate. It was very hard. But when he came back, I was able to, you know, I can grab him and like, ah! like scream into his shoulder and he can like just mix it and be like, okay, shut up. You know, like <laughs> it's music, dude. It's dope. So it that's what it is about him. You know, I feel like he's um, a good, 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 close, close friend of mine. And he gets me in, you know. He's quiet. Like, it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a quiet, understanding sponge of emotion that Aww. I can just, like, you know, squeeze into. My hands are cold. My lips are tired. Trying to blow. To give them warmth. It's not enough when all alone cannot suffice. It simply can't. I've done the math. But in due time, there is no chance for love. Something that is so powerful to me on this record is this theme of self-love. And I'm really curious to know more about your past experiences with that and your evolution in that regard. Were you a self-conscious kid? Yeah, I think we all are to an extent. I was kind of like a, what's the word? Like an escapist? Mm. Is that the word? I was, I wasn't very present because I was always, I have a very vivid imagination. I was always kind of like, I remember in eighth grade or seventh grade, there was a period of time where I would just walk through the hallways, like reading a book, like very stereotypical, like Belle from Beauty and the Beast. But I would read a book and I would read these giant like fantasy novels, like this thick, like The Way for a Redemption. And I would, in Lord of the Rings, obviously. And they were like in my face and I would just go from class to class and I would just do what I had to do and just go back to my fantasy world and I just remember and I would like pass little cartoons back between me and my friends we would like draw little mangas and like 
So for a long period of time, I was I wasn't present. And then all of a sudden, you know, when puberty comes, and you know your friends go to different schools, and you have a new set of friends, and they talk about boys and shoes and hair. And I mean, I remember when it hit me. As soon as I was aware of where I I was, I became self-conscious, or at least, what's the word, like, um, I would criticize myself. Mm. I would be like, okay, well, this could be different. This could be like that, or, you know? And But it wasn't ever, like, self-hatred. Like, I never really took it so far that I just was like, I hate myself, you know? Mm. You know, I say if you... If you could wake up and be somebody else, like I would sometimes think about that. Like yeah. I would fa- I would daydream or like fantasize about that. But like I think like when you're a teenager and you're like growing up and you want to be <sighs> accepted or cool or pretty or you want to like look like the characters you see on television and movies. I think everyone gets to a point where they're like when they grow up and they're like, well, that's not going to happen, you know? Mm. I at least like to hope so because I did, you know? And I remember I was like, well, this is this is it. This is me. I've done everything I could do to myself. I've been, you know, very, very, very overweight and tomboyish. And I've been very, 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 like, healthy and went to the gym a lot and got very, like, Svelte, is that the word? Like, <laughs> you know, and and very like weave and wigs and mm-hmm. where the boys at? Like club going. I've been like both sides of the spectrum. And then when I met in the middle and just decided to let my body do what it wanted to do and focus on what's important to me, which is music and performing and making sure somebody heard the song and had a better day. When I took the focus off of myself for a while, when I looked back at myself. I realized that I liked what I saw, you know? Mm. But I didn't know how to put that into words yet. I didn't know how to, like, make that music. And I think it happened... I went to do this interview, that style, like, you interview where I was. What's underneath? What's underneath, thank you. And I... That's when I wrote My Skin, and I was like, okay, like, this is exactly what I want to say. Like, I found, like, that pinpoint because of that interview. Mm. So it it was a long process, like... I've I've learned to love a lot of things about myself. And the final thing is, like, my hair and my skin and learning how to love those things have been such a relief, you know? Yeah. And once, because once I'm there, I'm there, you know? And now I can teach someone else how to, or I can show someone else how to. And that's hopefully what this album is going to do, you know? Yeah. In some way. <laughs> It's even bigger than 
is my skin an extension of flawless oh god that's right <laughs> it came from a joke i remember we were talking about um black lives matter the movement and the hashtag has been a huge part of like my waking moments i but i just remember having a conversation with a friend and we were joking around and it's like we can't help it you know i woke up like this like <laughs> we were, i was like i woke up like this like why you go how you gonna put me down for the way i woke up and um my skin was kind of like a freestyle like i went through and bionic played the track and i just um he had like this he has this photo and it's not a photo it's like a painting and it's like um women with like big head scars and like a river and you know it's like brown and black and I was using that to like freestyle on this really weird beat or really re weird track and I remember one of the things was like I woke up like this I woke up like you know I was like doing that and so yeah. and it's definitely it's directly from Flawless you know from Flawless that joke was made and from that joke I, I used that you know, I kept it in my subconscious, and I and I used that, and and when I was freestyling my skin, but of course I didn't want to completely, you know, jack flawless. So it's just I woke up in this, cause it, that's the truth. You know, yeah. we're waking up inside of this like vessel, and I always wake up inside of this, so it's it's directly connected. <laughs> Thanks, Beyonce. She's <laughs> always been there from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> She's number one influence. One thing I really am curious about with this record and your life is this role of travel and different places. And, you know, you've lived in different cities. You're shouting out different cities throughout I the know, album. It's crazy. <laughs> um, you're kind of taking us with you all over. At some points, we feel like we're even on tour with you, you know, as cool. you're checking your voicemail and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, how has getting into different contexts and different locations affected your kind of self-knowledge and getting to know yourself and realizing who you are as a person. I know that like Detroit has a huge, huge influence on when I start singing and mm. when I start performing. Right. And you hear like the soul and the gospel, that's a direct line to Detroit, you know? When yeah. I rap, you know, that's Houston. And then all of the music that comes in and all of the weirdness that's, you know, and the electronic and it starts to get a little weird in there, especially around um, Bother Me. <laughs> Bother <laughs> Me is like the perfect mix of like Houston and Minneapolis. And um, I love that song. That song gets weird, you know, <laughs> and that's many that's Minneapolis. Like it, it, it helped expand the possibilities of what I was doing. Like I knew I could flow because of Houston and I knew that I could eventually learn how to sing and I can convey a message. I knew I could catch the spirit because of Detroit, but to be able to know the boundaries and break the boundaries of my musicality, that's all Minneapolis. Because Minneapolis just, 
like the people, the artists that live here, they definitely don't follow by the rules. Like they make new rules and they make new normals and as inspiring, they don't try to fit into an industry mold, which a lot of these other cities try to do because because they those people want to be accepted or those people want to be famous or they want to be big. But Minneapolis, nobody cares about that here. Nobody's trying to be like, you know, number one on billboard charts. No one's trying to do that. They're just trying to make good music and they're right. trying to compel you. And even the people who get notoriety and the people who get national press here, they still almost reject it, yeah. you know, which is cool. You know, I mean, I'm not going to. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm not going to because, you know, why? You know, it ain't no fun unless they all get some. But like I um, I respect that a lot. Because that means that they're true artists and that means that they put the art number one. Yeah. You know? So all of those cities have taught me that. I think when you see the world, you're able to write about it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's why the album is Big Girl, Small World. Because I realized that I'm here one day and in London the next, you know, and then right back in Minneapolis and then in New York. And I'm seeing the same people. (laughs) I'm meeting the same people and I'm having... Shared experiences all over. Have you ever been to Paris at night? Say something French. On va voir Lionel Richie au Zénith ensemble. Ça va cool. Right out the gate, I'm flowing individually. You owe me a check, respecting the pony. I swear to God, nothing helmet. Free as a moose booze. I'm paid to amuse you. Amazed at how soon we could get this far. Tell me about the amazing breakdown about halfway through the album where it's kind of auto-tuned and it sounds like um, the machine that Justin used to make Lost in the World. Is Mm -hmm. that what's happening? Yeah. Bother Me is probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. Bother Me is a song we're referring to. (laughs) BJ's eyes got huge when we were finished. She was just like, what did you What happened was... Before the record, before I had done any songs, I think I had maybe done two songs with BJ, 25 songs with Ryan Olsen that were all like demos. And before I had really gone into April Bass and like made the record, I went there to hang out. There's a couch that I sit on with my headphones on and I just like stare out of the window and I'm able to get some clarity. I think things were rough for me and I needed an escape. And Justin was there and I feel like Justin, he's still writing his record and I think that he had taken a break that day and we just started drinking <laughs> in the day. I was drinking vodka and orange juice and I had gotten slizzard. So <laughs> slizzard. Cause honestly, I'm a very forward person. I'm very open, but like, I don't like to look dumb. I'll tell you that much. But I was so drunk at that point. I was like, how do you do auto tune? Like, how do you? It's <laughs> like, how do you do that thing? Like, cause he was doing it and he's like, you want me to show you? let's go and so we both just went in the studio and I started like playing around on it and we like did like one pass of something silly and then we did the second pass and he was like okay and then he like got the key that I that I sounded good and I just started the I've been drinking on vodka orange juice and then he was like wait BJ and he like made BJ record it and um it was just that whole take like there's no click track and you can hear like his foot stomping in it. So mm. it was a nightmare to tra- sync up on a track. But I did the whole pass 
And at the end of it, we were just like, whoa. And he was like, I'm putting this out right now. <laughs> He's like, let's put this on the internet right now. Because I was singing into the, it was the same thing, except okay. Justin sings into a, a vocoder and he like plays at the same time because he is a genius. <laughs> and he like makes these crazy chords, but he was playing the chords while I was singing. Uh. And I was drawing from a real emotion at the time. I was drawing from an experience that I'm so glad I'm over. And I was drunk and um, it was a beautiful moment in time where we mind melded and um, we made something really, really beautiful together. And I remember that song had, or that clip had been living in limbo for a long time. Bother Me didn't it really exist yet. Like it was more of like, it was more of like a, um, the song was called like, I've been drank or the song was called like, I'm on the road or something goofy like that, but it's this this dual expression of being a bachelorette or a bachelor, being a woman in my position. You have one side where I am talking about, I'm bragging almost about like, whatever, I'm on the road, leave me alone, Un, I get hoes. <laughs> and then you have this other part and in the middle there's this quote I think it's from the Bible and it says ego, you know, it's talking about how men should be lovers of their own selves and talking about the ego in modern relationships and modern romantic relationships and modern platonic relationships. And then it breaks down and it's like all of that ego that I was expressing on the first half of this song just got completely washed away. And then you're hearing my innermost thoughts and it's like, who do I think I am? You know, I'm out here acting big and bad, but really deep down on the inside, I'm just, I'm just as vulnerable and as delicate as as anybody. <laughs> yeah. And um, the dichotomy of the the emotional, like the different emotional levels, like it's just far on, like bragging over here, like hard, tough girl bragging, and then completely broken down, questioning, vulnerable self, egoless self. To marry those two ideas on one track was crazy. I don't even know, like, we didn't plan it. Both of the songs were written separately, and then when they came together, it made sense. Keep imagining what we could have
I was really interested in the kind of dichotomy between how you talk about like romantic relationships on the record and the relationship with yourself and yourself is prioritized that's what yes. you're working on right now mm -hmm. and I'm curious if that's something that you consciously think about like I need to get this in order before I can be a good partner for another person sure definitely I don't even think about being a partner for another person because I'm so partnered with music I think that like un not unfortunately what's wrong with me Jesus <laughs> <laughs> I think that because we're human beings and we're in the world socially I'm gonna fall into these traps or these situations where you know I get distracted or it for the most part my it is truly my priority. My music has been my priority since since I was 12. But then after music, there was all this, you know, questioning and, mm -hmm. you know, dark matter. <laughs> but like, you know, around, you know, 25 or so or 20, whatever. In my book, you can't have love and the love for music develop at the same time. You just mm -hmm. can't have it. Like, I need to develop my music. I need to become a master. And I feel like... Because I'm, you know, in Houston and I'm surrounded by people who think otherwise, I kind of brainwashed myself to think that it's music and boys and a rich husband and, you know, mixing that next to next to each other. But the more I separated myself from that, the farther that thought started to drift. But myself didn't exist in there either. Mm. And then when myself started creeping up, it got real nice. When you love yourself, it's cool. When you love someone, when you have a partner, that's cool. And or when you have a partner, it's cool. And then, but when you have a partner and you love yourself, it's even better. So I've had my partner for this whole time. I've had music, but I didn't have that self love realized. And um, my skin, even none of these songs were on purpose, you know. But to make that point, but it's the actual truth, you know. And I don't, I don't anticipate romantic love at all like I don't anticipate it I'm not expecting it hmm. because I feel really full you know if it comes it's like a not even secondary but like a it's like a third it's like another it's like I have my friends and my family and I have like honestly my passion you know the actual love of my life the thing that I feel like I was born to do was create music and if somebody comes along you know they real lucky that's all I have to say about that but like that's that's the point I'm making in the music like and I, if somebody gathers that that's great yeah like I feel like women try to tell each other that all the time like girl work on yourself first and then the right one will come like if I'm making that point in my music work on yourself and love yourself too and the right one will come and somebody who is looking for love hears that cool that's amazing yeah because that's important yeah. I think as women, that's super important. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's a struggle. It's hard out here. I really relate to what you are saying way back at the beginning about, I think every woman has a point where they realize that they're not enough for what society is telling them they're supposed to be. And you just get this voice like implanted in your head, like, oh, your thighs are too big. Oh, mm -hmm. you don't have the right this or that, you know. And it just kind of compounds until you can identify it and confront it and yeah it's a very real thing that a lot of people go through confronting it is really scary confronting it is like I remember when I confronted like me and it was after I had like 
gained on my weight back after be- living in the gym and starving myself. Not crucially, but like doing like the lemon pepper cleanses mm. where it's like I'm drinking cayenne pepper and lemon water and doing crazy stuff like that to myself. Um, when I gained my weight back, I like looked and I was like, well, this is it. Like, <laughs> this is just it. Like, this is just who you are and this is what you have. These are the materials that you have to work with. And I remember it was like, okay. Like, this is it is just like the strongest statement that I've ever said to myself. Like, looking in the mirror and just being like, okay, are you cool with that? Okay, cool. Let's keep it moving. Like, stop worrying. Like, you're not going to wake up and be a Japanese woman with, you know, blonde pigtails. You're not going to be Sailor Moon. So, like, it's just not going to happen. So, deal with it. And I did. It was very blunt. I was just like, but it felt good. It felt very final when I said that. I was like, oh, I'm not changing. I'm not going to wake up and be Beyonce one day. Oh, tight. Then I can finally move on with my life. You right. Know? Start so. thinking about something else. Exactly. And then I got to it. Now I'm here. I'm very happy. <laughs> I think I'm in love. I think I'm in love. With myself. Uh, I'm in love with myself. Uh, I'm in love with myself. Well, there you have it. That was my conversation with Lizzo about her new record, Big Girl, Small World, which is coming out Friday, December 11th. Lizzo's going to be appearing at First Avenue that night, along with Girl Party and Mixed Blood Majority and P.O.S., That lineup is insane, and it's going to be a really fun night. She's also going to be on TV on Thursday night. She's going to be performing on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. It's the second time she will be on national television, and she killed it when she performed on Letterman. My name is Andrea Swenson. You can follow me on Twitter at SlingshotAnnie. Check out iTunes for all of the OK Show episodes. You can subscribe to the podcast there as well. I put out a new one every Wednesday. You can also find an archive of all these episodes and some amazing portraits of each of my guests over at thecurrent.org. Thank you to Nate Ryan for taking those photos. They're just gorgeous. Next Wednesday, a conversation with Dan Israel. He just put out a new record, and we talked about some of his recent struggles and what it's like to write about a divorce and turn it into a pop album. Thanks for listening to The OK Show, and until next time, it's going to be OK. Okay, this verse is about my best friend Betty. She can be the only one that's on her level. Happen to be me. <laughs> She'll give you a sprinkle to them flounders by them feeding, but we know Miss Quick and she get that peanut dislike a queen can. Skizzer. After dinner, I like that dessert.